You are listening to the Horse Radio Network, part of the Equine Network family. What a beautiful day for horses in the morning. You are listening to the number one horse podcast in the world. Here's your entertaining look at the horse world and the people in it. This is Dr. John Langlois. And I am Dr. Allison Marshall, and you are listening to the special monthly Chi University episode of Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for August 22. Good morning, horse world. Welcome to our once a month look at traditional Chinese veterinary medicine with the Chi University. Yes, hi. So today our discussion is going to be about neurologic disease in the horse and uh, what you might expect uh, if you had a neurologic disease, maybe how to manage it a little bit, uh, how to integrate some other uh, tools to find out what might be going on with that neurologic in, um, injury. So we want to just guide you through and just have a uh, a nice discussion about managing that, what might be your expectations over time, and uh, how we might integrate the combination of both conventional Western medicine and TCVM uh, medicine together to get the best outcome possible. Yeah, and I, we have a really neat guest um, today. Her name is Dr. Winnie Angus, and she is from the Virginia area. She practiced up in Maine for a while, and she's now moved back to the Richmond, Virginia area and works for Woodside Equine Clinic. And I am proud to say that she was one of my students um, at the Chi University a few years ago, a few years back, enough to be quite an expert these days. And um, I'm thrilled with the case that she's bringing forward to talk about today. It's something called radial nerve paralysis. And the radial nerve is the nerve that goes down your arm or the horse's front leg. And so um, most of those paralysis cases are caused by injury, but some of them can be something weird like EPM or, or infectious disease that would just happen to land in one area. Um, the case that Dr. Angus is bringing to us is a, is a kick wound. So I'm really excited to hear what she has to say about that today. Hello, Dr. Angus. We are so happy to have you today um, at our podcast to talk about a really special case you've had recently, and we're really excited to hear about it. Yeah, so I'm excited to be here and talk about this case because um, it has to do with a nerve injury, and we don't see those that often. They're not a very common injury, and they're really like great candidates for acupuncture. So um, this case was a four-year-old mini mare, um, just a little bitty thing. She was basically feral like a year ago, but it's really sweet. And um, she was injured about six weeks or so before I saw her. She presented to me on just a regular vaccine exam and the owner was like, hey, she was injured and now she has this weird way of walking. So I assumed there was some painful injury and was concerned. So we looked her over really thoroughly and, um, you know, everything bends and flexes in that leg. Everything feels normal. She's a mini with some muscle atrophy, so I could feel things really well. Um, but when she walks, she just doesn't bring her leg all the way forward. And then occasionally when she'd rest, she'd just rest it with um, what we call a dropped elbow stance or kind of just put that toe on the ground and let that 
leg relax compared to the other ones. And this was a front leg. Um, so those gait deficits made me think about some nerves in the shoulder area, upper limb on the front and kind of neck that could be damaged that can cause this. Um, so basically we had an abnormal gait without any major indicators of pain. Um, and I did do a little butte trial just to really rule out pain. And she did not change her gait pattern with phenylbutazone, which is an NSAID and pretty potent for pain management. Um, so and you tried that uh, for based how long? on those findings, I did a week long. Basically, I was being practical. I saw her on a vaccine exam and didn't have time to do acupuncture that day. So I said, in the meantime, let's try some butte and see how it changes things. Perfect. And it didn't change her gait pattern at all. Yep. So, um, so when we saw her, we spoke with the owner about, um, you know, nerve injury and how there's not a lot of great solutions in Western medicine for nerve injury. Um, but acupuncture can really help these horses in addition to some physical therapy. So that was the plan we tentatively came up with. And, um, I had her go ahead and schedule three appointments about one to two weeks apart for the initial treatment. And our plan was just to see how the mare responded in that time period and then, you know, go from there. Um, and this is a great case because, you know, we had some realities. Um, it wasn't a referral, <laughs> you know, there wasn't a budget for referral. So like, yes, a CT would have been great, but I just sort of had to go on my anatomy to try to determine where I thought this injury was based on the deficits. You're that good I was veterinary exam training. I love that. <laughs> exactly, which is just the reality in the field sometimes. Um, you've got to be respectful of budget and those types of things. So um, classically, the radial nerve is an important nerve in the front limb. So they can't stand without, if the radial nerve is completely severed, the horse cannot stand on that limb um, because it's in control of the shoulder flexion and then extension of everything else. So if they can't flex their shoulder and bring the leg forward, they pretty much can't put weight on it. Um, in her case, I thought it was an incomplete paralysis. I thought it was just an injury to the nerve um, because this the owner had assumed this was a kick injury based on how she found mm -hmm. the mare. And the mare was really painful the day she was found, but she seemed to recover pretty quickly. Mm -hmm. um, I would definitely recommend if this was your horse having the vet out right away because <laughs> fractures in the upper limb can break down and sure. become, you know, a game over type of injury. Um, sure. In this case, we were lucky and the mare rebounded quickly um, and became comfortable again. But, um, but definitely, especially in a big horse in a mini, you don't have as much weight, but in a big horse, you have a much higher risk of things breaking down. Um, so definitely it's something to call your vet about. In this case, we just saw it later in the phase, um, but things were going well. Um, so looking at this area, there were basically, there's a couple nerves in the area where the horse was kicked, um, that could have been affected. And based on what I was seeing with the not being able to pull her leg forward and standing with a dropped elbow, I was thinking radial nerve. Um, but other things to consider would be like a, um, neck injury that was pinching like a spinal nerve. 
Mm-hmm. Um, or another common thing in this area would be Sweeney shoulder. Um, mm-hmm. but in that case, we usually have really distinct atrophy over the scapula. And in this horse, I just saw sort of mild atrophy throughout the whole limb because she wasn't using it as well. Most of our listeners are going to know what atrophy is, but that's kind of a shrinking of the muscles. And what that looks like is like just bone, right? And the right. only bony sort of stuff you saw was right, over that exactly. one, not over the whole body. Exactly. So you look at this mare from the front and the leg that was affected just looked smaller, even down into the hoof, because um, long into an injury, even the hoof will contract a little bit from not fully weight bearing, smaller than all the others. Mm. And we know, you know, you can see uh, with higher up injuries, like we were talking about the brachial plexus the other day, that's um, basically where all the nerves in the leg gather. It's right up in the armpit. Um, and then they sort of scatter as they travel down the leg in different directions. Um, so injuries up there can be really severe, um, and cause like destabilization of the shoulder joint and, you know, Mm -hmm. multiple different injuries. In her case, everything was stable and, um, and somewhat functional with just a reduced functionality. So I was thinking injury, not paralysis. Did you kind of mention to your client that because of what you saw that maybe you're going to have a good outcome that you anticipated this one should go well because it's more partial than it is a, you know, a more severe injury? Exactly. The acupuncturist in me was drooling to get some needles in this because <laughs> I thought for a couple reasons, this was going to be a great case um, because she's young. And I think young animals are very resilient um, to, you know, I was seeing this injury not too long after it occurred, you know, the sooner, the better, but at least under a year. And this was barely a month out. So I felt that that was also going to set me up for success. She was in my group when she took the acupuncture class. Just saying. Yes. Learned it very Enthusiasm. well. Enthusiasm. Learned That's acupuncture right. very well. <laughs> yes. So there was a lot of, there were a lot of reasons that I just really pushed, you know, we were limited on budget, but I just said, I really think this will be worth your while to try a few rounds of acupuncture. Um, so the owner was game and um, we we came back out. Now, I think I mentioned earlier, this mini had been semi-feral a year before. So I did end up having to give her a little sedation. I also found out that she was a fire personality. Mm-hmm. Um, so there's always the practicality of you, some points are more accessible than others. <laughs> so mm-hmm. I, um, I gave her some xylazine. Um to do the needling just to keep everything calm and relaxed. And I felt that, you know, it's a short acting sedative. So by the time I had my needles in and I got my acupuncture going, she was still going to have a good effect, even though in theory sedation can decrease your effect a little bit. Um, Now with, um, with nerve injury, we also feel that, you know, electroacupuncture is one of the best things we can do for them to stimulate those nerves and electro increases your effect. So I was just sort of, you know, kind of counterbalancing. I didn't think I'd achieve my acupuncture without the sedation. So I just had to be practical in that moment and say, we're going to give this thing a little xylazine and make this a good experience and try to get the best outcome that we can. Um, 
the other thing that would have been really great on this case, but like I said, we were kind of working in a budget would have been herbal therapy. Uh, because mm-hmm. as I think Dr. Shea says, that's like daily acupuncture. Um, and I think, you know, a, a small little mini, you could, you know, get a fair amount of herbs in her pretty easily. But, um, but we just kind of went with the straight acupuncture initially to see if we got a result. That's great. Um, so as far as, yeah, as far as um, doing the acupuncture, once she was a little mellower, I put in a few calming points. Um, I have sort of a protocol that I think, I don't know if I learned this or just started doing it um, as far as the electro goes, because she was a little wily. Um, so the theory behind the electro <laughs> is you have a nerve that's just not firing correctly or not receiving all its cues, the electro is going to stimulate that nerve. So you put your needles in areas that maybe fit with the pattern, but also kind of surround the nerves that have been affected. Um, So we look at her Chinese pattern, but also sort of structurally, that's where my Western brain goes. Um, yep. So sure. um, we get our nerves in, our, our needles in, and then we set our electro up. And the electro has a nice effect at um, the lower setting where you just do a single frequency, where I find that they get totally quiet. It's almost like sedating them all over again. Um, I believe that's an endorphin release at the 20 hertz, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. I think you, I believe yep. you're right. So. So I usually start at that for about five to 10 minutes just to get them really relaxed. And especially in this little young horse's case, get her used to the electro. Uh, But then nerves can adapt to one frequency. So um, there's this great feature on our chi electro units that I love using um, that splits the frequency. So it'll do one frequency for a little while and then a different frequency for a little while. So that way, as the nerve starting to adapt to one, we're going to switch frequencies and stimulate it on a different level. Um, And so obviously, that's great for trying to get a nerve that's still intact but damaged to start communicating better. Um, So that was my goal there. And we were able to do that pretty successfully. I was able to get in usually a good 20 minutes of acupuncture. She was pretty relaxed um, of electroacupuncture and she was pretty relaxed for all of that. Um, And so, you know, obviously the first treatment, we didn't notice anything different from my initial exam. She didn't change on butte. At the second mm-hmm. treatment, I was optimistic that there was an improvement. Um, mm-hmm. But then at the third treatment, and it was fun because I had a different sort of student with me each time. And by the third treatment, the student couldn't really tell which leg was the problem. So to me, that made me feel optimistic Huge. that we had really helped this mare. Um, and I'm actually just in between treatments right now. So that was the last time I saw this mini. Um, and she doing well. Um, and we're going to go back. We're just spreading out this next round of acupuncture a little bit longer. And I've instituted a more serious physical therapy protocol in the meantime, now that I think we're getting things to fire better. I feel that she's going to be a little more comfortable doing that physical therapy, which we've done all along. But now we've just gotten her a little more We kind of racked it up a little bit. Well, and it sounds like, you know, you can only do so much physical therapy if the nerves aren't working. So now you've got them plugged back in so that right. you can actually, it's kind of like electricity to a wall in my mind, you know, if if you can plug that electricity back in, then the nerves will fire back up again. In this case, you didn't really need to like look and say, oh, we should restrict her exercise or not necessarily put her in a stall, but you didn't change anything up because you, you basically saw a difference right. in 
yeah, the like more of a disuse problem than anything else. Right. And I think, you know, there's a couple advantages in that one, this is a small, lightweight animal. So her harm to herself is probably lower risk than like a, you know, 1500 pound wild warm blood. She also lived with some older animals. And warm bloods aren't supposed to be wild. What are you talking about? <laughs> right. Exactly. I, I mean, you could say thoroughbred or <laughs> Mustang or Thank anything. You. But... Thank you for all those thoroughbred owners out there animals that are all really quiet. Um, I was also, you know, a good six to eight weeks out from the original injury. So I thought as far as bony healing things, if there had been, you know, an injury or fracture, um, that would be stabilized at this point based on bone healing and let her move around. And I think movement is good. I actually encouraged this owner to start taking her for walks just to get her to actually move around a little more than I think she does in the pasture. Um, and I kind of, I am by no mean, like by no means a physical therapist. Um, but my philosophy is think about what they can't do and ways to try to help that encourage them to do it. And because they're animals, they won't just, you can't just tell them what to do. You have to trick them into it. Um, so in this case, I had the owner get her, you know, standing squarely and then pick up the other leg. So she was fully weight bearing on the affected leg because weight bearing is the thing that the radial nerve does and kind of, you know, hold it for periods of time that the mini felt comfortable with not pushing her too hard, but sort of lengthening it each time. Um, the other important thing that does is prepare her for the farrier, which had not <laughs> happened yet. And um, we want to make sure that goes well for everyone no involved. Kidding. And um, other exercises I suggested was, you know, take her for a walk and walk her over sticks and logs. And, you know, if the driveway, there's a step up to the grass, kind of anywhere where she has to pick her leg up at different levels every time. So she has to really think about picking it up and also where that leg is, her proprioception. Um, and then uh, another fun thing you can do to make horses lift their leg is you can put little bangles around their pastern, like a cat collar with bells, and they might have a little reaction and pick that leg up and kind of an exaggerated pattern. So that was another thing we we had. I, I had not I had the owner try it yet because this mini was a little more skittish. Um, so we were starting with the other things and could add that in pending how she tolerated those other things. It's really awesome. Hey, Dr. Angus, did you um, or would you recommend any like physical stretching of the leg up or back? Um, it, it, or would you yes. say, no, we want to let the horse do what it wants to do? Yeah, I thought, I think gentle range of motion is good because even though the joints, I don't feel the joints have been affected, I think that because they're not being used to their full capacity. Um, I think stretching them out is a good idea. Um, you know, when I'm having an owner do something, I usually recommend they do it gently and kind of am cautious with those recommendations. So they're not overly, overly extending or injuring. Yeah. Yeah. But I did say, you know, practice that type of thing. And also, I mean, for this many, I think it'll be good training. Um, I think a really important point to make (laughs) that I I probably overlooked on this because this mini is purely a pet um, is that horses with injuries in this area can be really dangerous to be ridden 
um, because they cannot bring that leg all the way forward. They're at a higher risk of tripping, um, especially over obstacles or uneven terrain and especially jumping. Um, I think these can be very dangerous riding wise. So if you have a horse that you ride and it has this injury, you, I think you really want to work with your vet to determine when that horse is safe to be used again. It's a great point. Good point. In this case, this mini will never be ridden. She doesn't right. have kids there and she's just a pasture pet. Um, so it wasn't a major thing. We did talk about how even, you know, if she were to be trained to drive and didn't fully regain function, that could be a risk to the driver. But um, but it's, I don't think it'll be a problem in this case, but something really important for listeners to hear. I think that's pretty much everything on this case. And um, I was going to point out, you know, just some similar types of injuries that people may not think of um, with acupuncture. But um, like I said, you know, nerve paralysis, acupuncture is one of the few things we have to reach to. Um, so, you know, great options would be um, like a facial nerve paralysis is something we see relatively frequently. Um, injuries to the face can cause them to have deficits in, in their face. And then um, roarers, um, so horses mm-hmm. with, uh, with yeah. uh, neurologic deficits that cause them to breathe funny, basically. Um, those can respond yeah, really sure. well. And then, you know, more severe cases, but, you know, things you, it, where it's always worth a try would be wobblers and EPM, sidewinders, um, sort of a different neurologic gait that we see in older horses sometimes. Um, so, uh, you know, anytime you're looking at something with um, a neurologic or, or a nerve component to component, it, it's always yeah. worth calling your acupuncturist and, and trying it out. One of the things that we also see with some of these these injuries is, uh, you know, muscle atrophy more so than what you saw. And you mentioned that your electrostimulator has several different frequencies. And one of them, the third one, is one that we can use when that muscle is atrophied to try and stimulate, even give it a, a more rigorous stimulation to wake up the nerve and get the nerve to function better with the muscle. Right, For sure. right. And the other cool thing with muscle atrophy, which I didn't do on this case, is pneumoacupuncture. Mm-hmm. Yay. <laughs> I have done I mean, it before. I, what what an interesting concept. Yeah, that's just crazy right. stuff. Right, <laughs> exactly. Exactly, where you're basically, for the listeners who don't know, you're pumping air under the skin and basically making the atrophied area look normal by using air. And in my Western brain, that's basically just if I can fire that ner- that muscle to start regenerating using my electro and nerve stimulation, um, you are making space for the muscle then to grow again, mm-hmm. um, where it might have been restricted by the skin and the soft tissue around it. Um, but I think there's other Chinese theories behind that, too. <laughs> oh, I'll never forget working at the racetrack Um in this area 20 years ago and I had not been around harness racing before. And I remember them talking about blowing up the shoulders and I thought, what in the world are they (laughs) talking about? Number one. And that sounds horrible. Number two. And now I blow things up all the time. (laughs) Exactly. It's sort of fun. It's like an art project. For yeah, sure. One finishing comment about uh, a case that I had many years ago where 
there was a, it was a Sweeney case, okay, suprascapular nerve, but had lost all the muscles in the shoulder. You've seen them. And the husband was yes. in the house and the wife was with me. So I did, you know, my exam, I did electroacupuncture, and then I did the pneumo and blew up all of the shoulder to almost normal. And the husband came out and he said, what happened? It looks fantastic. <laughs> all that was necessary was for my hands to touch the horse. That's so awesome. anyway, it looks really good, but it doesn't stay that way. Awesome. Well, it was great talking to you guys today. Oh, yes, thanks thank so much you for so coming much. on. Next time you have a, uh, an interesting thanks. case, you just let us know. Are you a veterinarian or a veterinary student looking to take your practice to new heights? Look no further than Qi University, the renowned institution for traditional Chinese veterinary medicine education. Founded in Reddick, Florida in 1998, Chi University provides top-quality continuing education courses and academic programs exclusively for veterinarians. Chi University offers an extensive range of programs to enhance your skills in patient care, including veterinary acupuncture, canine and equine rehabilitation, and medical spinal manipulation. Looking to pursue advanced studies? Two master's degree programs provide a rigorous curriculum for those seeking in-depth knowledge and specialization in TCVM and integrative veterinary medicine. Ready to take the next step? Visit chiu.edu. That's chiu.edu. To learn more and start your journey. Whether you're a seasoned veterinarian or a passionate veterinary student, Chi University is here to empower you and equip you with the tools you need to make an even bigger difference in the lives of your patients. So that was a, a very, very interesting case that we heard from Dr. Angus and a, a favorable outcome. And um, that's what we hope to see in um, all of our experiences with neurologic disease. And so um, the, the, the thing we want to first bring up is, is, you know, what do we do when we find a horse that is uh, not walking correctly, uh, maybe dragging a limb or holding the leg funny or the legs looking longer? These are all pretty significant injuries. So what we want to do first off is, for me, is rest the animal, put it inside for a moment while we're trying to assess it. And I also, interesting enough, encourage you to videotape it. These things can be so helpful for passing on uh, to your your veterinarian. Uh, you know, here this is what he's doing. Can you can you give me any advice even before they come out? So, I think that's a very helpful thing, and I do a lot of that myself because I like to uh, follow the progression of the case. So, sure. depending upon the injury. We may have very, very severe neurologic problem with nerves or very minor in either or. But, um, it, and so that degree of involvement is where our, our management comes in. And so the reason why these things happen is there's a number. They could take a bad step. Uh, even the babies, sometimes when you're having a baby delivered and you have a difficult delivery, you can pull them uh, a, a little bit too much or in order to get them out, and they may come out with neurologic deficits. Sometimes if we have to send an animal to surgery, it may be on the table for a length of time, and that that pressure over the shoulder will cause sometimes some nerve damage. So trauma is uh, about 22% of all of the neurologic problems that we see. So it is frequent. And so, again, depending upon the signs that we see, uh, we manage them all a little differently. Yeah, perfect. Perfect. And um, thank goodness neuromuscular disease is 
um, that kind of trauma is not very common, like you said, you said, but, uh, when it is, when it happens, it can be pretty, um, I don't know, frustrating and startling because we don't think about, uh, we don't have a lot of options in Western medicine as far as healing nerves. A lot of times, like you mentioned with general anesthesia, if a horse is laid down under general, um, even the pressure of the halter can create a, what they call a facial nerve paralysis. So it can push on the nerves that go through the face and create a droopy eye and a droopy lips and everything. And, you know, that is, um, we don't have a lot of options in Western medicine to correct that. But thank goodness, Chinese veterinary medicine and Chinese medicine have got really great options using electroacupuncture and herbs. So it's pretty exciting. Yeah, and, and one of the things that, that the, the combined medicines can do for us is I think that Western conventional medicine is, is superior in its ability to help diagnose the problem, meaning that we can do radiographs or we can do ultrasound. Uh, also, I have had many horses had, have EMG, which is uh, kind of looking at the, the conduction of the nerve in the muscle. Is it working okay? And what what muscles are not working okay? So Western medicine can really, really be helpful to say, okay, this is the source of your problem. Whereas traditional Chinese veterinary medicine mm, offers right. more for therapy. So the, comp the two combined offer a great understanding and a great treatment uh, option. Right, for sure. And I'm curious to know, I didn't realize that they did EMGs like, have you done that in the field? I'm, I've, I've heard they're very painful. They, I know they do them sedated in dogs. Are they uncomfortable for horses? Do you have to sedate them for that? Um, all of the EMGs I have had done have been in clinics referred. Okay, okay. Very good. I was thinking you were doing that regularly in practice, and I remember that in vet school days, but uh, that's pretty technical stuff. No, and you know, I I uh, fortunately get a chance to work on some very very um, high performance animals, and they're very valuable. So we go after them pretty hard to say, okay, let's figure this out, and oftentimes go to a clinic setting to get the the Western diagnostics done, and then uh, mm -hmm. come back into our care for our TCVM or combined. You know, both both can be very very helpful, but TCVM as far as treatment is for me far superior. Mm-hmm. For sure. Have you had radial nerve paralysis, paralyses in your practice too? I'm assuming you have. Yes, yes. And um, interesting enough, one uh, I had several years ago a baby that uh, I think he was about mm -hmm. three months, four months at a very, very nice uh, thoroughbred operation. And he came in dragging the limb, walking really, uh, really funny. His elbow was kind of lower down. Um, he had mm -hmm. to actually... Uh, really slap the limb forward to try and get it to, to, to come forward to move. So I, I didn't want any part of that as far as um, doing <laughs> acupuncture. I wanted to know, make sure there were no fractures, fractures in the humerus yeah. or the shoulder or the elbow. Um, I had to rule those out. Um, so we went, had all that done and, and there was no deficits there. So now I'm on, now I can go ahead and treat this case. And this particular one, was a very, very difficult foal. He did not want me to needle him. He did not want mm -hmm. me to really be around him. So I, I finessed him to putting in some what we call dry needles. I just put the needles in, uh, in places where I thought were appropriate. And I came back a week later and I said, well, how are we doing? And he said, well, we're 10% better. 
So I said, all right, well, I'm going to take it a little differently. So I used a little bit of sedation, as Dr. Angus did in her case that she presented, to be able to facilitate treatment. So I put the needles in, did my electro unit, and I came back a week later, and they said, Doc, you fixed them. And I was like, wow, we're 80 to 90% better. So that use of the electroacupuncture was far, far more um, you know, favorable to getting the response we want than just the dry needles by themselves. Mm-hmm, for sure. And I have a really fun case with a similar, I don't know, humor to it, I guess, that you have. And it illustrates how important it is sometimes to rule out things like fractures. You know, it, I had a, um, a four-year-old warm blood mare, uh, and I had never been to this farm before. It was a breeding operation and they called and they said, we've got this mare. Um, she's three-legged lame behind. Uh, she's in full. She's got a full by her side. Um, and I, I said that, you know, that sounds, it, it hasn't been an abscess. It's been going on too long. And I just, I wanted nothing to do with it, like you said, because I, I'm like, I'm not touching this thing chiropractically. And, um, you know, I was concerned even about masking some kind of a pelvic fracture. And they said, well, we'd had our regular vet out and he blocked the lame limb. And then she became three-legged lame on the other limb. <laughs> and I said, oh gosh, no, this sounds like a pelvic fracture. I'm out. And they said, no, no, please come. You're our last hope. And then she basically demanded that I come and one electroacupuncture treatment. And I, you know, I kind of motion palpated is what we call it in chiropractic. I sort of very gingerly palpated around the pelvis and I just did needles for how the nerves were supposed to run through the back and through the pelvis and down into the feet and one treatment. And she was, you know, 80 to 90% better, same kind of thing. And it just is astounding when that happens. doesn't happen all the time, but, um, right. And they did, um, you know, there's not a lot of studies in veterinary medicine about, you know, clinical studies for this neurologic issues. Uh, but in humans, the, there was one group that did 90 different humans, and there was a significant difference in the group that had the combination of physical therapy and electroacupuncture. So that electroacupuncture, we can't uh, uh, emphasize it enough that it really mm-hmm. does um, allow us to get more stimulation to the nerves. For sure. I remember, um, learning this in one of my classes at Chi University. And just like you, I'm, I'm not going to be able to quote the study well, but, um, someone did research on dogs with full paralysis behind. And, um, the full paralysis means that they were dragging their hind limbs and some of them did not even have what they call a deep pain response. So you'd pinch their toe with a hemostat or something pinchy and they wouldn't even respond. And that's a very poor prognosis. So, um, and when you think about it, weakness is on the same continuum as paralysis, right? It's just part of the other end of the rainbow on that. We're still talking about neuromuscular problems. And the 20 dogs they did surgery on, if my memory serves me correctly, 42% of them got better. The 20 dogs that they did surgery and acupuncture on, electroacupuncture on, somewhere around 70 of them got, percent got better. And the 20 dogs they did just electroacupuncture on, 78% of them got better. So it is, it is incredibly powerful for that, if any neuromuscular yeah. issues. Whenever I get a call for a, a neurologic case, I'm um, 
I'm, I'm excited with the idea that, you know, we can really affect these and get a good outcome. It's not that I'm wishing that uh, horses will have neurologic problems, but when I get a call, it's like I'm excited that I think I can go ahead and help. And like For you sure. said, there's not a lot of of uh, things that the Western veterinarian can do other than maybe using, uh, you know, painkillers or corticosteroids or physical therapy yep. and things like that, or DMSO jugs. Those are oftentimes incorporated. But, um, and I, and I have to say that maybe over the last five years, I've had seven or eight neurologic cases and they all had good outcomes. And, um, but every case was different. And, and that's the, the thing that to me is important is that we understand, you know, from a scientific point for me is what nerves are involved. And that helps me to make my plan, even from an acupuncture standpoint, where mm -hmm. do I go? How, where do I put my needles? Where is the damage? Oh, for sure. That's the integration that with it is so much fun between being a veterinarian and then using acupuncture as well. And, um, I totally get it. All for this, for those eight cases you're talking about having neuro, being neurological, were they acute like we're talking about today with a radial nerve or were they insidious or how, how do you remember kind of how are you lumping together those eight cases? Yes. Well, I would say the majority of those cases, basically when they happen, they get worked up with a, a Western diagnosis first, which may take several, several days. And mm -hmm. oftentimes, you know, when the case of fractures, we understand that, well, we may radiograph it on the day of the injury, but we don't really see that fracture sometimes to a week or 10 days later. So oftentimes right. they've had a pretty good Western workup. So I'm seeing them pretty acutely, you know, in the 10 to two week range after their injury. Right. Okay. So mostly injuries. I mean, I feel like I see what I would classify as neuromuscular problems all the time. And that would just be unilateral weakness, you know, and I, I think that's the other end of the spectrum that we're talking about is, you know, you can have acute neurological and severe neurological cases, but there are a whole lot of situations where the nerves are involved, you know, and part of the, the reason that the horse is moving like they're moving is that that they are weak in one leg or they're compensating for that weakness and those are pretty fascinating honestly you know i mean that when i do um everybody everybody in my practice calls them the neurological spins you know but I, circumduction and pivot are the clinical names for that i i tend to do that on every initial exam that I have. And even if it's a sport horse that is performing well, there's usually um, a little asymmetry with that. And sometimes that goes away with a good, good adjustment, a good spinal manipulation, but sometimes there's something a little more organic about that. And I might not be able to tell in the body where the weakness is coming from, but the electroacupuncture helps even that horse out. And then the effects that I see from that would be, their chiropractic holds better. You know what I mean? They're not drifting yeah. over a jump or they're picking up a lead a little more consistently or whatever. So I think it's pretty fascinating. The world of weakness or neuro neuromuscular issues that truly is opened to my eyes because I do electroacupuncture and because I address things in a different way of thinking than I, uh, an additional way of thinking that I did when I was a regular veterinarian. Yeah, and, you know, and just in general, I find that these neurologic 
injuries, again, this is what I see a lot of, they can be quite challenging to diagnose. And for sure, um, you know, we talked earlier in our, uh, in our guest about, you know, budget and things. And when, when there's not a lot of resources, sometimes what we have to do is what we call treat for the treatable. Okay, mm-hmm. let's go ahead and treat with acupuncture and see what our results. And that basically tells us that we probably had it right on because we're getting the response to our treatment. So right. it all depends on, um, you know, what, what resources we have to, to be able to take it up to the Cadillac approach, meaning that we have a diagnosis, um, then we have a treatment plan. And one of mm-hmm. our readers are probably interested to know, well, you know, how often do I have to treat this horse with a particular injury? And, our, 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 our doctor teacher says it depends, right? So it may <laughs> depend again on the extent of the injury, certainly how long it's been since the injury. Uh, the longer it's been, the more treatment we'll have to do. But I base it, my plan usually is I want to do a, a treatment once or twice a week for the first two to three weeks. Uh, and see how our response goes and a positive response. Then we adjust from there. And so. As a TCVM practitioner, I'm going to incorporate not just the electroacupuncture, but I also uh, am, am good at doing Twina and also teach that course. So we're going to use what is kind of an ancient form of body work um, that we can do to help support like our type of physical therapy. And we're mm-hmm. also going to use um, herbal medicine, which can be very, very helpful following up our uh, electroacupuncture, and as well as consider food therapy. So all of the, the different dimensions of TCVM can be helpful in getting the uh, neurologic condition to resolve. For sure. I totally agree. The most important thing uh, on these horses, uh, when we find them, depending on the degree, is going to be safety. I find it's mm-hmm. okay to put them in a in a contained environment for a little bit. We don't know if they have only a neurologic problem or perhaps a combination of neurologic problem and a and maybe fracture. So mm-hmm. we want to kind of keep them in a safe environment. Again, I'll say get your video on your phone on them to to document what you're seeing because um, it's important to be able to relay that information and follow progress uh, and then call your veterinarian out. What we find is that in cases where the nerve has been damaged and it's all about degree, we may start to begin to lose muscle mass or get atrophy from two weeks following that that injury. So it's important to get started early uh, to get right in and get your therapy working. Call your veterinarian, get them out and integrate a plan uh, soon. Don't wait and just see what happens down the line and call it three months and say, uh, he's the same as he was three months ago. Well, For sure. I like to get on him very early. Well, and I, I, I feel like what we learned from Dr. Shea was that anything neuromuscular under six months in duration, you have a very good chance of fixing. And anything over two years old, you have a, a, a much slimmer chance of fixing. But if you think about Dr. Angus's case, that little mini had already had atrophy. And I think she said it had been six weeks, I, th- I think, in the beginning of that. Um, yes. And the foot had shrunk 
already. So those are things that it makes Chinese medicine work that much harder to work uphill um, to solve those problems. So, you know, as soon as you know you have an issue, it's just you'll have the, the, the average owner will have less visits if we don't have as much to fix when we get there, <laughs> to put it in lay terms. Yeah, and just uh, when we were talking about, you know, how what what's the reasons these type of injuries occur, but we've all seen the horse with his foot uh, stuck between the rails uh, of a fence and trying to pull itself out. And oh, yeah. when it comes out and it starts walking, it's got a neurologic deficit that, that has happened many, many times. Well, that is it for the day, and that is it for our August edition of the Chi University's uh, Horses in the Morning episode. If in case you need to find Dr. Langua or I, we can be found um, at the Chi University in Reddick, Florida, and that website is chiu, which is chiu.edu. Um, if you're looking for a veterinarian in your area, at the very bottom of that page under resources, there is a little word that says vet finder. And if you go on there, uh, you can put in your zip code and it will help you find a veterinarian in your area that has been trained at the Qi um, for, in traditional Chinese medicine. And that includes people trained in herbology. That includes things, people trained in uh, veterinarians trained in tweet which is what the class that Dr. Langua teaches. So um, all kinds of options there. So, uh, and uh, my quote of the day today is two thirds of what you see is behind your eyes. It's actually a Chinese quote. So it means that we come into life kind of expecting to see something and that's what we see. So keep your eyes open. 